It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 40 of Sports Day Plus. At 6.30, I'm talking stand-up and life with actor and comedian Marlon Wayans, ahead of his headlining shows at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. And a mere seconds, Justin Wells of Inside Texas joins me to discuss the Longhorns' loss to Washington on Monday night and what the future holds for Texas football. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Going to start things off with uh, my usual Wednesday conversation. Typically, it begins at 6.15, but we are leading things off tonight with my buddy Justin Wells of Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, the Inside Texas YouTube channel. Follow him on Twitter at JustinWells2424, and hear him on this show every Wednesday for a couple of segments. Justin, thank you as always for the time. How are you doing today? Man, I am blessed on this beautiful 2024 uh, uh, you know, this is the first time I've got to talk to you since the new year. So I want to wish you and your family a happy new year and all the wonderful blessings. And uh, I'm doing good, man. I got the sun out. It's a little chilly, but man, I like it cold. And now I get to focus on this new recruiting cycle and uh, the 2024 season for the Longhorns. Yeah, and a happy 2024 to you, Alexander, and the rest of your crew as well, Justin. So let's go ahead and start with the game on Monday night. Longhorns lose a heartbreaker to Washington, but it was a game that they were really having to play catch-up for a lot of this contest. Uh, What is your initial thought, thinking back two days on that game and uh, the overall outcome there? Yeah, you know, we we did a live stream last night on the Inside Texas YouTube uh, channel with Drew Kelson and Ian Boyd, and we gave it a, a day. To let it kind of sink in, to, to let it synthesize, to try to figure out, you know, what we exactly saw. And I think my biggest takeaways were the better team won. Yeah. I felt like Washington was the better team. They were certainly the more confident team uh, and definitely more confident in what they were doing, more sound in what they were doing. Um, yet Texas almost won a game with double-digit penalties two fumbles in the red zone heading into the end zone and giving up big chunk plays on defense. And Texas was literally a play away from winning this game. And I'm not sure how we would have even described it if they would have won because (laughs) Texas, they had so many times where you just felt like they shot themselves in the foot or they didn't lean on the run game in the first half when they're averaging seven yards per carry, keeping Michael Penix off of the field. You know, rather than trying to outscore a high-scoring team. You know, there, there, there's a lot of little examples of that. And I think that's what you're going to see from Michigan on Monday night, next Monday night. They're, they're going to lean on the run. They're going to try to keep Michael Penix off the field. You know, sometimes to me, that, that, that might be the best recipe because Michael Penix is the best quarterback I've seen in 2023. The Heisman uh, runner-up, no question. That kid looked like the left-handed Warren Moon. Like it was amazing, and those receivers, the three of those guys are going to be starting in the NFL. They're just awesome. Let's give them their props. They are just awesome, incredible receivers. I thought the DBs actually played well. Penix just put balls in spots you couldn't get. He put it in windows only his boys can catch. And at the end of the day, I thought Texas was resilient. I loved what Quinn Ewers did in the second half. We saw some grit from that guy. He rushed for a career-high 60 yards. He did stuff with his feet. That fourth quarter, Texas was holding them to punt or to a field goal, giving the offense an opportunity. They were down 13 with only a few minutes left, Trey, and they were still able to get the ball back 
score, get the ball back again, and, and almost score on that last play of the game. Honestly, it was a great game. Take the fandom out of it on both sides. It was a great football game. But I do think the better team won. I think Washington is a tremendous squad. I actually expect Washington to beat Michigan on Monday night. I, I, I don't know how you can stop all the receivers. You may be able to – Will Johnson may be able to blanket Rome once, maybe Jalen Polk a couple times, but Washington has too many weapons. And they know who they are. And they're really good at what they do. And even through all that, Texas was still one play away from playing for the national championship. And I think that's going to – the program, as they reflect over the next few weeks, next month, I think they're as they start to turn this page on this season, they'll start to appreciate what they accomplished, what they did, and what's ahead of them. But at the same time, there's always going to be that, wow, one play away from the national championship. It was that close in year three for Sark. Let that marinate. If there's a bitter taste from this season years from now, Justin, is that this team played two bad games this year, and they could have and should have won both games. Against Oklahoma, they probably played a C-plus game. They could have won that one, obviously. And then two nights ago, they, I mean, they were trailing for much of it, but they still had a chance at the end. I'll tell you, though, being at the game in person, the first moment that I found myself nervous that Washington was going to win this game was actually just before the game itself got started. Where I was sitting behind the Washington sideline, watching all the Washington players bouncing up and down, excited for the game. I looked across the Texas sideline. It was completely still. It's like those guys were tense and tight and uh, maybe a little bit nervous in that moment. Did you gain any sense that that those feelings were in their heads in the, the lead-up to this game? Because, man, I feel like that also manifested with how both the offense and defense performed each of their very first series. I didn't see that. That's a good observation. I didn't see that leading up to it. I saw it in the first half on the offensive line. I saw the the jitters, and that's natural. When you're on this stage, you have to play your very best. It's also a great point that you made that the two worst games they played this year were their losses, and they almost still won both of them. Yeah. And Ian Boyd, my main man in Inside Texas, he said that it's something similar to that last night. He's like, you know, they were really this close to going undefeated, like a couple plays either way. And I, and I think that that's something that they'll reflect on and remember. But, yeah, like I said, Washington, these were two confident teams. It just felt like the quarterback that's 23, 24 years old was a little more confident than the quarterback that's 20 years old or 21. You know, Michael Penix had a lot more years under his belt. And I just feel like he knew exactly what they were going to do. I'll tell you this. If Washington would have sold out on the, on the pass and just completely neglected the run, I'm not sure Texas doesn't get blown out. Completely agreed. I, I it, it, They couldn't run the ball, and they even tried to do it just to give a semblance of balance, and it still didn't matter. On the flip side, if Texas tries to play keep away with Penix in the Washington offense and they lean on the run on the run game in the first half, CJ Baxter was averaging like 16 yards a touch. I think if Texas leaned a little more on the offense on that run on that run game and, and not tried to outscore Washington as much as played a little bit of keep away, keep the defense off the field, keep Penix and those weapons off the field, I think Texas could have reversed what what happened and came out as a victor in this game and so that's what made it so good trey that's why it's so much fun for us to talk about because it, it was a great matchup i just think the better team won i think washington was a little better i think trice was unbelievable on defense 
for, for, for Washington. I think Jabbar Muhammad was as well. They know what they're good at. They're going to bring that next Monday with Michigan. Um, and that game surprised me a little bit too. You know, early on I thought, well, Alabama's just going to, you know, blow these guys out of the water, and I couldn't have been more wrong. And so now we're going to get a, a Michigan-Washington uh, matchup, and, and, and I'm looking forward to it. I think, I think it'll be a great game. It's going to be a, a game of, of completely different contrasts. Well said there. He is Justin Wells of Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, that Inside Texas YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to that YouTube channel. Great content coming out all over the place on that channel. Quickly before the break, need to let you know about my friend Brian Hummel, his website, HummelRealtor.com. Are you searching for your dream home in Austin? Or maybe you're curious about how much your home is worth? Look no further than Brian Hummel, your trusted realtor with Realty One Group Prosper. Brian is more than just a realtor. He's a full-service expert overseeing your entire transaction from start to finish. He'll lead you through each step of the buying or selling process, the questions answered, and details explained in plain English. With over two decades in Austin, Brian has witnessed the dynamic growth and evolution of the Central Texas market, making him your invaluable resource for buying, selling, and investing. Plus, as a certified real estate negotiator, Brian brings a strategic and skillful approach to bargaining. He secures the best deals, whether it's getting the highest price for a seller or the most favorable terms for a buyer. When you choose Brian Hummel as your realtor, you're not just hiring a real estate expert, you're gaining a trusted partner committed to your success. Contact Brian today at 512-619-1347, that's 619-1347, or go to his website, HummelRealtor.com, that's H-U-M-M-E-L, Realtor.com. Brian Hummel with Realty One, one you need. Coming up, one more segment on Longhorn Football with Justin Wells of Inside Texas on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellen. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellen. Back for one more segment with my friend Justin Wells of Inside Texas. InsideTexas.com, the Inside Texas YouTube channel. Give him a follow on Twitter at JustinWells2424. And hear him on this show, usually for a couple of segments on Wednesdays, starting at about 6.15. Today, we're kicking things off with Justin. That started last segment, continues this segment. All right, Justin, the uh, Texas Longhorns are now uh, paying attention to who's declaring for the NFL draft and who will be coming back next season. You guys reported this, the first to report it, as far as I could see, uh, a little bit earlier today. Uh, some good news on that front. Alfred Collins We'll be back for the 2024 season. This had been talked about for a couple of weeks now, but it looks like it is going to be official that Texas gets Alfred Collins services for next season. Just how big is that for this Texas D-line? I mean, it, it, it's big. It's big. They're, they're losing. You know, you're, you're, they're going to go into another dra- their second draft where they're going to lose four NFL defensive linemen. You know, two last year and two in this cycle. And so getting Alfred Collins back, and that's the one with the upside. That's the guy that can play some some three techs, some interior, and also, you know, and, and get pressure and also play some outside. And so, you know, he, he's got athleticism. He's always had the potential. He's he, we've seen we've seen a little bit of, of spark from it over the last this last season. I think we saw a little bit more of it. Him and Verdon Broughton really kind of started to, to come together more. And I think you're going to see Alfred Collins take on a bigger role now and a bigger responsibility. And listen, the big boy from Bastrop, I think he's ready. 
I mean, he has got the NFL intangibles. When when they look up guys on the defensive line that, that they want to play and build their franchise around, they're usually the size of Alfred Collins. They're usually his his traits and things of that sort. And so getting Alfred back, huge. Because going into the SEC and you're losing to Vondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, that's a hole. And, I mean, if you've ever seen those two guys, that's a rather large hole. And I think Alfred Collins helps close that a little bit. Uh, we were recording this at 2.20 on Wednesday, January 3rd. As of now, it looks like the only other name that I'm seeing who has declared pro, Devondre Sweat is one of those names. But then uh, Xavier Worthy, which is not that big of a surprise. Does A.D. Mitchell end up uh, turning pro before it's all said and done? You know, I believe he does. Okay, I think Adnan Mitchell will be headed to the league. I, I think they had some really good conversations with him over the last month. Uh, about both options if he decided to come back and, and play his senior year because, you know, he still has a year of eligibility. Um, and, and, and what he looked like with a fully healthy season, you know, what what another one of those seasons would look like, would it help his draft stock? You know, I think Mitchell's a, a second-round, third-round type right now. Uh, he's, he's got incredible body control, good size, good length, good speed. He's not a burner, though. And, and and he may you know, he's not a guy that's always going to get good separation, and so I you know they're going to have a conversation with him again before he makes that decision. But I'd be moderately surprised if Mitchell returned. What about JT Sanders? I've seen some speculation that he could actually return next season. What do you think about that? Man, I believe it if I see it. Like Jatavian Sanders. You know, if you're a Texas fan, of course you want that guy back. One of the best tight ends in college football. Uh, I think he finished his career with the, the most receptions at Texas for a tight end. I think it was 99 catches after his six snags in the Sugar Bowl. You would love to get that guy back. This offense would, would continue to hum, but you're looking at a, a, a second-round draft pick, man. You're looking at an early, early second-day guy, most likely. And he just has talent and athleticism. You don't see at that position. I mean, and, and the tight end has been utilized so much. Over the, you know, since I feel like, you know, since the Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates days, you know, the tight end has just become so much more prevalent and more important. Jatavian Sanders fits what a lot of these NFL rosters want to do. Hey, I, I would be pretty shocked if he comes back. Now, that's not speculation. I'm not, I, I have no, no knowledge of one way or the other, but I fully feel like Jatavian Sanders will go to the draft. What about Quinn Ewers? Oh, he's going to stay home. Quinn's going to stay home. Quinn's not, Quinn's not done. He's got some unfinished business. You know, if you saw that, and you did, you saw the jump from last year to this year from Quinn. Yeah. There's still another jump. You know, he's, Ian talked about this last night. There's still another level for, for him. There's still another opportunity for him to, to refine a few things, to get his footwork a little bit more on time, on time, get, 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 you know, get mixed in a little bit better. Uh, more of a leader because they're losing so many guys. They return the majority of the offensive line, so you know you've got those guys uh, to protect them. And the running back room, which was kind of a question mark going into this season, is going to wind up being a plus going into next season. And so uh, I fully feel like Quinn Ewers is going to return and, and, and play for his senior season, senior season in Austin. Okay, uh, switching over to the defensive side of the ball now. Alfred Collins is coming back. Uh, Byron Murphy and Sweat are both gone. They both uh, that that was known prior to the the semifinal game on Monday, though. Both uh, guys committed to play for the Reese's Senior Bowl. Uh, 
Right. What about Ryan Watts? I know he has another year of eligibility if he wants to. That's an interesting case study. I feel like he's going to have to switch positions to play at the next level, but do you think we see Ryan Watts back in Austin next season? If there's one guy you've asked me about that that is I'm curious about, it's Ryan Watts. Hmm. And and you know, you know, Ryan is a tremendous player. You know, I saw a lot of clips after the Sugar Bowl on Ryan and his coverage. Listen, Ryan played gr- good ball. Yeah, they just, they just, that quarterback knew how to throw to outside leverage. He knew how to make sure he hit the window only his receiver or no one could catch. Ryan Watts played well. Um, the thing that you that he'll probably run into is a log jam because the guys behind him are ball players. Terrence Brooks and Malik Muhammad are probably your starting corners next year. You're bringing in other guys like a Kobe Black who is shining at Under Armour in, in Orlando right now. You, you bring in other guys uh, that, that that like a Santana Wilson out of Arizona with you know Adrian Wilson's son. He's got those genes. That's that secondary is, is going to be better next year. And so I know Ryan Watts would love to 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 stay with that group and and and, and potentially build on another year. I just don't know what his move is going to be. If, if he decides to, to go to the NFL draft, I won't be surprised. And if he decides to stay in Austin, I won't be surprised. No, Nothing scoop or, or breaking here. I do think Ryan Watts is in a position where he's having to think the hardest right now on what his decision is going to be. All right, Justin, last thing before I bid you adieu for today. <laughs> We are now officially in the off season. So, what what do you think the biggest question or two is that this uh, these coaches and these players need to answer this off season to make sure that they're sustaining this success into their first year in SEC play next season? Ooh, that's a tough question. I I, I love how Sark and this group self evaluate. They they literally pick themselves apart so they can find ways to fix what needs to be fixed. Sark has shown a very strong sense of building out the roster. And I'll give you an example. You know, if there was a weakness on the defense, some people thought it, it would potentially be the safeties. And that's a stretch. But, but, but you know, they're thinking, you know, maybe the back end. So what's he do? He goes and gets a Makuba out of the portal who can come in and play immediately. And he flips five-star safety, Xavier, full same, uh, from McKinney, uh, you know, uh, flips him from Florida. And so Sark knows how to identify holes on this roster. He's just got to keep doing that. And you've got to keep these guys dialed in. You're going to lose some leadership, man, with Sweat, with Ford, uh, Christian Jones, Jordan Whittington. You are losing some leadership. So we're going to need some new guys to kind of populate that, to be more vocal, to kind of carry on that culture. The good news is these sophomores and freshmen that Sark and these guys have recruited and signed over the last two years are more talented than the upperclassmen. And they, they sh- they've shown that over the last two seasons, especially this year. You, you had guys, true freshmen, getting incredible snaps and, and big-time minutes in pressure-packed situations. That has to carry over. Keep that hunger that got you to that point, to that college football playoff, to being at literally a play away from being in the national championship. Keep that hunger. If they've got the leadership still in that locker room when they come back from winter break, this is going to be a different team in 2024 than this last one. Mm. But at the same time, they can win in different ways. And I think if they keep the buy-in, they keep that focus, they keep letting it be team-led. This last season was the first year under Sark that it was t- player-led. 
If they can keep that mantra, keep that culture, and keep bringing in the right guys, they've got 18 early enrollees that will be on campus in two weeks. Of those guys, most of them are coming in to get the head start to, to in spring ball to try to get on the field in, in, in 2024. You want those self-motivated kids. You want those guys that are willing to skip and sacrifice things in high school for the better good of your college program. That's all Stark is doing right now. It's a trend for most programs. It's a prerequisite for Sarkeesian in this group. You just got to maintain. Great way to put a cherry on top of what was a very successful season for Texas Longhorn football. He is Justin Wells, Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, the Inside Texas YouTube channel. Follow him on Twitter at JustinWells2424. Hear him on this show, usually for a couple of segments on Wednesdays, typically starting at 6.15, but he led things off tonight. We always appreciate that. Justin, always a pleasure. Look forward to talking to you next week, including your preview for the uh, Dallas Cowboys and what their playoff chances are. Oh boy. Yeah. That that that'll be a loaded interview. Be sure and pay attention to that. <laughs> Nothing but love, Trey. All right, coming up, I'm spending a couple of segments with actor and comedian Marlon Wayans ahead of his headlining shows at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. First, though, I needed to let you know about Domino's Pizza. That's right, a good friend of mine, Ike. He is a franchisee for four different Domino's in Central Texas and Lago Vista, Burnett, Treviso, and Lampasas. And Domino's has something special on the menu right now you should definitely check out. Their new pepperoni stuffed cheesy bread is now on that menu. It's the perfect mouth-watering side for movie nights, that sporting event, or if you're just craving melty cheese and pepperoni. Pepperoni. So try Domino's new pepperoni stuffed cheesy bread next time you place an order. Your taste buds will thank you. Domino's has a great app. You can also get things done through that web browser as well. And thank you to Ike for all of his support for my broadcasting ventures. Coming up, a couple segments with actor and comedian Marlon Wayans. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Marlon Wayans is a longtime actor and stand-up comedian. The stand-up thing has not been going on as long as the acting thing, but man, he has gotten really good at it in short amount of time. You can find out for yourself by going to see Marlon at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, a show on Sunday as well. Go to CapCityComedy.com right now. Tickets will sell out all weekend. Marlon, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Sorry I'm catching me at breakfast, but man got to eat. That's all right. Uh, you're in North Carolina right now. Is that correct? I'm in North Carolina in Raleigh performing. I think I'm funny. I did well last night. It's not surprising. I checked out your latest special, God Loves Me, last night, and you just keep cranking them out, man. People may be surprised by this, but you haven't been at this uh, as long as some, but you clearly have a uh, really good control over what you're doing on stage. It is performative. It's funny. It's introspective. You hit all sides. It's philosophical as well. Uh, you feel pretty think, good about where you're at as a stand-up right now? I think people don't understand uh, like the, the history of me is like I've been an actor, a writer, a producer and a, a a a star for a long time, and so when I chose to do stand up, it was just it was like everything kind of came together, and now I'm able to do 
all those things and do character. I've done sketch and I put it all into one show. And that's what makes me uh, different than everybody else. Because a lot of times on stage, what people are trying to do is they're trying to learn to act, right? Artists, comedians on stage are trying to learn to act. They're learning to, to produce. That's why it takes them like 25, 30 years to really get great at it. But I've hit all these other disciplines. And so for me, it all came together a little quicker. And now I have my own. I learned that from acting as many methods as you can study. When you start creating your own method, that's when you've mastered something. And so I'm creating my own method and I'm, I'm learning to master the artist stand up. And it's just helping me with everything else in my career. What a fascinating perspective that is, because one of the hard things for new stand-ups is getting comfortable in your own skin and finding your own voice, but you've clearly had different sorts of opportunities to do that over the years, ironically, I guess, from playing other people. Yes, that was a big thing, but sometimes playing other people can be a detriment. Mm. Like, it's really hard for great um, impressionists to turn into great comedians hmm. when they're outside of the impression they learn their voice and some people tr- transition very well you know I'm, I'm great friends with Jay Farrell who I think is a brilliant impressionist and I'm really proud of the the uh, way he is unstrapping from the impression to find his own perspective and point of view and and he's young and I'm I'm proud of that. And I'm like, yeah, that that's it. When you find your point of view and you got the impression, you're gonna be a monster. So I think for me, it's not just the uh, uh the impression um or the uh different characters, but I think it's just logging the hours on the stage and being relentless in your pursuit and learning all the disciplines when it comes to the thing that you say you love. Don't just love one thing. It's a Rubik's Cube. Learn all six sides. Yeah, and for you on the stand-up side, you're not only getting up there consistently, you're also churning over new material. Like I was listening to an interview that you did a couple months ago, and I think you just shot your most recent special. Is that correct, in the last month or so? Yeah, I just shot a special uh, in November, November uh, 11th. And now I have a thank you. And now I have a new special, not a new special, but I have a new hour that I'm working on that I did three weeks, two weeks after my special. I did the, I did a, a brand new hour. So now I have a, a completely different hour than the special I just did. I'm not waiting for it to release. Once I film it, I know it's dead material. And so for me, what I do is I start a brand new act. So by the time that material comes out in on Mother's Day, I will have a brand new strong hour and a half that I could tour with. And um, while I'm working on that, when I get that perfected, I put that to the side and I start working on the next hour. So once I film that hour, then I got the next hour already cooked and baked. Like I, my brother used to say I was crazy. My big brother, Keenan. And then I was speaking to him recently. And he said, you know, I used to think he was crazy. I said, I know. He said, but I realized something. You're just brilliant. And that warmed my heart. 
Damn. Because for years, I always tell them all these ambitions and all these things I wanted to do and all these things I wanted to be and all these things I wanted to achieve. And he used to think I was crazy. And then he sees me doing the work behind all the things that I say I want to do. And for him to actually use the word brilliant, I just feel found because I know I'm not crazy. Yeah, it's coming from somebody that you look up maybe as much as uh, anybody in this world. By the way, uh, people may not realize this, but you're, the special that you just shot for is all about the uh, dealing with the grief of the loss of your parents. So releasing it on Mother's Day, that's a, that's a, a, oh, Day. N- another layer there. So kudos on that. So Thank considering you. that it's the most recent grief. special and is it, on it, grief, it. you've already worked up a new hour. You said it took two to three weeks to, to feel good enough to, to be taking it to the stage. I mean, are you going to be... Working on that a little no. bit, I'm guessing, in Austin? Or are you feeling good about where it is right special. now? I did that special two or three weeks ago. Uh-huh. And I got a brand new hour now. It, exactly. So you already have a brand new hour, so you already feel good enough about a brand new hour to be rolling that out in Austin, no, no questions asked. Yeah, I think it's better than the hour I just shot. What's, what's this one on? Uh, it's Not- called Skittles. Skittles. And it's about my transition, dealing with my the transition of my child from a, a girl to to a boy, oh, and what wow. I went through. And it's um a loving, funny tale about a father that had to learn to unstrap from his ego, his masculinity, in order to live in vulnerability to love his child best way is and the way they deserve to be loved and it's for all the parents out there that's dealing with something like this and it's not just about um transitions but it's about anything having to do with your child to be a great parent sometimes you have to be a kid again yeah it's It's a beautiful so what i'm doing is i give them i'm doing stories a lot of comedians, they do jokes. If I did jokes, it wouldn't be me. I do jokes, believe me, and I go hard. But I do jokes based on a story. And it has an elixir. And um, the elixir is not always just for the character, but it's for the audience. They got, I think, great, great comedians make you not just laugh, they make you think and they make you feel. And... Uh, I'm really just trying to, to to be truthful in a funny way. And um, I hope my truth affects people because it's therapy on a stage. When I get on stage, it's therapeutic for me. I'm healing myself. And there's a lot of people in the crowd that feels what I'm saying or deal, they're dealing with it. And people come up to me and like, that was beautiful. It's beyond, like it's a slow standing ovation. It's not a pop-up. It's a Look like, and it's just being truthful, being honest, and um, being vulnerable. And I think the greatest of artists put their heart and their tears on the stage or on the song, and that's what I I just try to do every night. And I, and it's crazy. I don't cry in therapy. I do therapy two times a week. I don't cry in therapy. I maybe cried in therapy one time in five years, but sometimes on that stage. I will cry three times in a weekend because that's my therapy. And it's crazy to 
that I can't be vulnerable with one person, but with a thousand people, I can be. Is that a big part of the appeal as to why you continue to find yourself deeper and deeper in stand-up comedy, Marlon? Is that it is, it's so beneficial for you through, in working through your problems in ways that even a therapist can't necessarily pull out of you? Every comedian has their own process. For me, I was just blessed to live truthfully in the given circumstance. And that's the actor in me. Mm. And it's also, it's just the artist in me. Every comedian has their own way of doing things. Every artist has their own way of doing things. I don't, I don't sketch, I just paint. I look at a stage and it's a blank canvas and I just go, I'm not gonna sketch this out. I'm not gonna write this down. I'm just gonna paint. This is what's in my head. I'm gonna put it out. Let's see what happens. And that's my process. And there's a lot of great comedians that have a different process. And that's what makes every comedian great. And I had to learn coming up in a household of other great comedians to learn your voice is really a very hard thing to do. I was intimidated to even try stand-up because I had five comedians before me. And when you do stand-up, you're pulling from your life. And I'm just like, well, they telling all the jokes that's in my household. What do I have to say? <laughs> and then you learn that your point of view is special. That's why you go to a comedy club and you'll see like a bunch of comedians doing po- po- political humor. They'll do sex jokes. They'll do relationships. But what makes it different and special is your unique perspective on the relationship and i grew up with that and so i think for me that that's what's helping to make me uh different he is actor and stand-up comedian marlon wayans performing that stand-up at cap city comedy club this weekend headlining shows friday saturday and sunday night go to capcitycomedy.com for tickets and more info coming up one more segment with marlon on the other side it's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Back for one final segment with actor and comedian Marlon Wayans. He is honing that stand-up craft at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. Two shows Friday night, two shows Saturday night, a show on Sunday as well. Go to CapCityComedy.com for info and tickets. Those tickets will sell out, so grab them while you can. So in thinking through all of your uh, your credits in film and TV over the years, like there's obviously a ton of funny stuff, but also uh, more serious roles that come to mind. I mean, I think Lady Killers is an underrated film for a variety of reasons, but first movie that pops into my head with you is Requiem for a Dream because, you know, obviously my friends and I were used to seeing, to, to laughing at the work that you were putting out in front of us prior to that. It was such a hard steering wheel pull into oncoming traffic in a way that it was... Such a good movie and and just an incredible performance by you as well. Was that your point in taking that role all these years ago? Well, for me, um, I didn't come into the game as a comedian. I was nurtured as an actor since I was three years old. As you know, I mean, I, I was in I'm not three. I was about in, in second grade. I got the lead role. <laughs> no, first grade. I played Casey at the bat. Hmm. Second grade, I did the lead role in Peter Pan. Fourth grade, they offered me the role of Oliver Twist, and I turned it down because 
I thought it was degrading for a black man to play it. So I played Mr. Bumble, Mr. Humble instead, or Mr. Wow. Bumble. And then I went to performing arts high school. And all we studied was the dramatic arts. So what's crazy about me is I'm theatrically and dramatically trained, but I just was born into a really funny family. Yeah. Well, I just have a unique skill set. It's just different, man. And, and 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 I think that's why it's taken me so long to peak and so long to I've never had a hot moment. I've never been hot. I've been famous for 30 years. I've never had a hot moment. I've never been the guy that gets the best scripts. I've never been one of those top 10 guys that get the best scripts with the best budgets, with the best directors. I've never been that guy. I never got that shot. I've been growing under a microscope since I entered the game at 17 years old. And I have so much more to deliver the world than just the art of stand-up. I have a bigger responsibility and a bigger task, and that's what I'm focused on, as well as building me. What is that bigger responsibility? A beautiful, big brand called The Wayans. And I need, the world needs The Wayans, and The Wayans needs the world. Mm. We give timeless comedy. The world needs comedy. It's suffering right now because nobody's making fun of it. Nobody's uh, taking a out of it. Everybody thinks they're too scared to be really funny. And we have this big, beautiful brand that I just want to, I think it needs to be in everybody's homes at all times. My whole career has been based on great executives that had the balls to make ballsy decisions. Barry Diller did it with with uh, In Living Color. Him and Peter Turner. Garth and Sear and Jamie Kellner did it with Wayne Bro- Wayne's Brothers. The Weinsteins. Terrible people. Hmm. Ballsy executives that said, we're going to put these movies out to a broad audience. Because this is just funny. Terrible people. Smart as executives to go make that decision. Joe Roth with White Chicks and Little Man. There's been executives that make great decisions in spite of what the moral compass is dictating. They go instinctively, no, I'm betting the house on this. And every time they bet the house on the Wayans, we've always shown and proved because we're not comedians. We're joke scientists. I have 40 50 years, I was born into comedy. So between me, Damon, Sean, Keenan, Kim, there's 250 years of comedy. Always been on the weigh-ins. We know what's funny. I know what's funny. Oh, no. I could talk about anything because I always talk about myself first. I throw me under the bus. When you throw me under the bus, I punch down on me. And what's funny is when you punch down on you, other people understand what you're saying. It's part of hitting all sides. Like your your recent stand-up special, you hit, it's all about the Chris Rock slap. I don't know how much people know about this, but you hit every character in that story, yourself included. I mean, it starts with the story about you. I mean, it's God loves me after all. And so that's yeah. part of the brilliance right there. And I was able to talk about everything. What's great is, you know, you know, a good joke is when you send up a certain sect of people and that those people that you're making fun of laugh the loudest. Yeah. 
That's why they can't cancel us for white chicks. Exactly. They've been trying. Social media has been trying. The bot's been trying. Is that right? Everybody's do, been do you trying. still hear from you people can't on that? cancel us. Yes. You can't cancel us. You did whiteface. Shut up. You can't cancel <laughs> us for white chicks. You know why? You know who loves white chicks the most? White chicks. White chicks. Right. When we did Enemy Color, Men on Film was the first time we really embraced gay people into our living room. It's America. They were in our living room. And you know who loved men on film the most? Gay people. <laughs> we don't punch down. Yeah. We laughing with you. Right? We're all this is inclusive. My brother taught me how to tell a joke. Don't tell a joke for a party of three. You tell a joke that makes the whole world laugh. And three people are sensitive and they walk out. Yeah, it's still a really good joke. So the way we tell jokes it's our family recipe and um i'm gonna continue to do that as best as i could and when it came to jada did a tour chris rock did a tour none of them said anything about my special you know why because all of them even will nothing why because i did it with love i threw me under the bus as i threw them under the bus and we was all under the bus together. And when we got up, the first people I put Band-Aids on was them and then myself. Yep. I did it with a heart. Yeah. I did it with love. But I told the truth. And um, I think they, they're still my friends to this day because they know I did it with love. Yeah, the last time we talked, you talk, you discussed your stand-up comedy being like layers of an onion. You're doing that on more of a micro level now with that most recent special. And so kudos to you on that. Have you heard from any of the three of them after your special? You didn't hear from any of them on that. That's surprising. Which is a good thing. Okay. If it was a bad thing, Jada just did a whole book tour for three months. I would have been a topic of discussion. I wasn't. All right, so last question now, Marlon. You said the hour that you're going to be performing at Cap City Comedy Club is about uh, you as a parent coming to, it's about Skittles, but also as you a parent coming to accept a, a trans child. Curious to get your take on this. What what do you think about uh, trans females participating in female sports? That's obviously been a uh, hot topic of discussion over the last couple of years now. Mm. I don't know. I'll explore it in my stand-up. I know that my, okay. my child feels like it's fair. But I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I watch the WNBA. They don't dunk as much as the NBA. <laughs> it's kind of a cheat. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do support, you know, um, I do support inclusion. Yeah. And, um, uh, uh, but I, I, I do think just men have a more, um, just dunk a little harder. So I, I just like sports to be fair. And then it makes sports competitive. If it's not competitive, you know, uh, I think it's, um, takes the fun out of sports. Nobody wants to watch a team go 73 and 0. I like to see people lose sometimes and go, oh, wow, that was a great game. You want to feel like the tension. But I do support inclusion inequality and I think there's a way to figure it out 
But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go sit down and think about this. And when I come to Cap City, I'm going to see if I can find some jokes about it. Can't wait to see. I'm going to be uh, checking out the new hour at the Sunday you, night show. You're going to be performing Friday through Sunday, uh, January 5th. And it may not be about that, Skittles, because I change it up a lot. I'm weird. I will be like, yeah, I'm doing Skittles, and then I'll just do a brand new hour in a relationship. So I, I'm just weird. So just come on out. Expect the unexpected, and just expect to have a good time. I'm lucky to live in Austin because I get to see a lot of talented stand-up comedians perform. I, I don't get to go see everybody, unfortunately, but I'm making it a point to go see your Sunday night show because I want to see where you Beautiful. are with that process right now. It is uh, really cool and fascinating to check out, and thank you for the time once again. He is uh, he's Marlon Wayans. Check him out. Cap City Comedy Club, January 5th through January 7th. That's a Friday through a Sunday. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, a show on Sunday. I like to sit in the VIP section. All the VIP shows for the earlier shows are sold out. These tickets will sell out by Friday, so go to CapCityComedy.com to snag some. Also, check them out online at Marlon Wayans on Instagram, and MarlonWayansOfficial.com is that website. Marlon, always a pleasure. Thank you for uh, pausing breakfast for a few minutes to talk to me, man. Absolutely. Gang, gang. Appreciate you, bro. All right, another show is in the books. Thank you so much to Justin Wells of Inside Texas for hopping on for a couple of segments to talk about the Longhorns' loss to Washington. Same goes for Marlon Wayans, talking stand-up and life over the last couple of segments now. Join me tomorrow. We'll continue lamenting the Longhorns' loss to Washington in the Superdome on Monday night, plus a multi-segment chat with comedian and actor Steve Ranazizi. You know him from the TV show The League. He's going to be headlining at the Comedy Mothership this weekend. Thanks to you for tuning in today. We'll be back tomorrow at 6. In the meantime, have yourself a great rest of the night, a continued happy 2024, and hook them. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling.